Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. President Trump gives the go-ahead to send troops to the southern border, while Robert Mueller eyes wealthy Russians for their role in election meddling. And the EPA chief fights back on those pesky ethics questions. And Donald Trump's not too happy about it. This is the State of America Tonight. How many will go? Do you have that? We don't. It was not planned out. It's using our National Guard's troops to essentially go and try to solve a political problem. Trump woke up Sunday or Monday morning, looked at the television. Oh, my God, there's some sort of caravan coming. The reality is there is not an invasion. The president, I think, is rightly responding by saying, if we're not going to have the actual wall that we want and need, we're going to have a de facto wall. It plays to his base. It works for him. It wasn't a plan. It wasn't thought out. And it won't be. Hello, I'm John Avalon, live in New York, and this is the State of America Tonight. After four straight days of tweet storms about border crossings, migrant caravans, and even a jab at Mexico over the, quote, NAFTA cash cow, President Trump is taking action, signing a proclamation that makes good on his pledge to send the National Guard to the U.S.-Mexico border. Until we can have a wall and proper security, we're going to be guarding our border with the military. That's a big step. But exactly how many troops will be deployed is still unknown. Now, here's Deputy White House Press Secretary Hogan Gidley to explain. How many has it been recommended to send down to the border to achieve this? Right. As many as it takes. Uh, Give us an idea. Right. Well, I I can't give you an idea because we don't know exactly how many are going to participate, how many we need to solve this problem. And if one governor, Oregon's Kate Brown, gets her way, The Trump administration will have to do this without her state's help. Brown tweeting, quote, if real Donald Trump asks me to deploy Oregon Guard troops to the Mexico border, I'll say no. As commander of Oregon's Guard, I'm deeply troubled by Trump's plan to militarize our border. And in a direct message to the president, because this is how we communicate now, Brown added, I have no intention of allowing Oregon's Guard troops to be used to distract from his troubles in Washington. Well, Secretary of Homeland Security Kirsten Nielsen says the administration wants to work with governors, not against them. It's a partnership with the governors. It's not us telling them and sending the guard. So we're going back and forth right now. This is how we think we can supplement the Border Patrol. And then, of course, they look for the good advice of governors who are on the front line. Now to a story you will see only on CNN. Robert Mueller is turning up the heat in his Russia probe. But before you say you've heard that one before... It's probably not who you think. The special counsel is questioning Russian oligarchs who traveled to the U.S. and asking if they illegally funneled cash directly or indirectly into the Trump campaign and inauguration. Now, two of those men were stopped and questioned at U.S. airports, while one of them also had his electronic devices searched. And a third man is being asked to hand over documents and sit down with Mueller's team. For one former U.S. attorney who was fired by Trump shortly after his inauguration, This development is kind of a big deal. It's telling me uh, and should tell everyone 
that the investigation does not stop at water's edge. Uh, they can't necessarily go into Russia and interview people that they would like who may have been involved in affecting the election in an unlawful way. But they can lie in wait and see if people who like to travel to the United States do that. Oligarchs should now appreciate that they travel a little bit at their own peril. Now, as you might expect, Russia is dismissing the news. In a statement, a Kremlin spokesman said, the time when there were oligarchs in Russia passed long ago. There are no oligarchs in Russia. Yeah, folks, he actually said that. And that might be as hard for you to believe as EPA chief Scott Pruitt saying he did not know about raises for staffers who are also his friends. Yeah, folks, he actually said that. I did not know that they get the pay raises until yesterday. Okay, one of them got a pay raise of, let's see, 28000 The other was $56,000. Do you know what the median income in this country is? No, what, what 57000 a year. Okay. So one of your friends from Oklahoma got a pay raise that's the medium income. They did not get a pay, pay raise. raise. They did not get a pay raise. They did. They, no, they, they did went. not. They did not. I stopped that yesterday. So you stopped it. Yeah. Are you embarrassed that it should not have happened? It should not have happened. And, and, and the officials that were involved in that process should not have done what they did. That awkward exchange was just one portion of Pruitt's conservative media blitz, as speculation mounts that he will be the next one booted from Trump land. And when it comes to Pruitt's sweet, sweet $50 a night deal on this Washington condo, the EPA administration says that question is off limits, people. President Trump said he would drain the swamp. I don't know. Is draining the swamp renting an apartment from the wife of a Washington lobbyist? I don't think that that's even remotely fair to ask that question. But it sounds like the White House thinks it's fair to look into the matter. Why is the president okay with this? The president's not. We're reviewing the situation. Um, we have uh, had a chance to have a deeper dive on it. We'll let you know uh, the outcomes of that. But we're currently reviewing that here at the White House. And that's what the White House said before Pruitt's interviews. Now that they've aired, well, the president isn't too happy, apparently. And a Trump administration official tells CNN's Jeff Zeleny that Pruitt who was warned not to do those interviews, is on very thin ice. Still, the president told reporters today that he does still have confidence in his EPA leader. Well, we all know what that means. Maybe Pruitt should keep a close eye on the president's Twitter feed for the next few days. Joining me now from Washington with more on the White House plan to shore up the southern border is CNN Politics senior writer Juana Summers. Juana, give me some details on what the National Guard will actually do at the southern border. Anything. All right, John, as you've heard in that clip with Hogan Gidley, the deputy White House press secretary, we actually don't know a lot. The president and the administration will have to work with the governors of these individual states who are in control of their National Guards, and they'll have a big role in these deployments. But we can look back to the previous deployments of National Guard troops to the country's borders. They've been used by previous Republican and Democratic administrations when there have been concerns about security and drug trafficking. There are some limits that U.S. law places on what these troops can do. Federal law prohibits the military from being used to actually enforce laws. So that means we won't see these troops per se, um, participating in immigration enforcement. Instead, we might see them in support roles such as intelligence or training or construction. Still, not a lot of details from the White House quite yet about what they say. As we heard from Kirsten Nielsen, the DHS secretary, they're still having these conversations with the governors and haven't released a plan quite yet. That's important. We want to say that this is still in flux. You may not know the total numbers. You may not know the total cost. A ballpark would be appropriate. But we also don't know if they'll have carried weapons or have arresting power. These questions matter because people are afraid, even though presidents in the past have done this, it's important to recognize that President Obama deployed National Guard Mm -hmm. uh, troops to the border. Here's my question to you. Taking a big step back, 
border crossings are down, not because of Trump's actions, as he says, but they've been going down for more than a decade now, right? You're absolutely right. I believe they're actually at a low point since the 1970s. To hear Trump administration officials tell us, though, they're doing these actions in anticipation. This comes after days that we've seen the president fuming about the nation's immigration laws, taking jabs at Congress, saying there are weak borders. Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen saying yesterday that they're wanting to do these things in advance because of an uptick in the historic uptick that happens frequently in the spring of these border crossings, as well as advertising from smuggling groups. They say they want to get ahead of the game. And that's why they say this action is something they want to start today. Well, they certainly are taking action, but crossings are down since 2004. And actually, to your point, at a 46-year low, got to go back to 1971. Mm -hmm. That's Led Zeppelin and Sly and the Family Stone era. That's a long time ago. It is. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. When we come back, the relationship between Donald Trump's rising poll numbers and his tough talk on immigration. The panel's next. We've spoken a lot about Donald Trump's Twitter feed in recent days, weeks, months, years, but especially the last few days. Tweets about border security and Amazon.com have captured headlines. But the U.S. president has also tweeted several times about his rising poll numbers. And close White House watchers say one reason the president's taking strong action on trade and immigration is because he is feeling emboldened by those polls. We're talking more about this with our panel, Ned Ryan, the CEO and founder of American Majority and a former writer for President George W. Bush. CNN political analyst Jackie Kucinich, who is also the Washington bureau chief for The Daily Beast. Christine Quinn, a Democratic politician and former speaker of the New York City Council and conservative talk radio host John Fredericks, who is a member of the 2020 Trump for President Advisory Board. I am impressed that has already been formed, John. Um, Folks, a lot to talk about. Let's talk about the president's rising poll numbers, because, Christine, a lot of Democrats thought that Trump was not going to see a bump after the rough month he's had. But in CNN's poll, he went up to 42 percent from 37, while Democrats have seen a 10 point decline in their generic ballot. How do you explain that? Well, I think we've seen the president recently because of how bad his poll numbers have been historically and from these threats, I think it's too strong a word, but rising discussions about whether he needs an opponent in the primary. We've seen him putting out more and more uh, uh, ideas, suggestions, red meat, whatever you want to call it, that he knows will appeal to his base, even if all of it isn't true. I mean, he has repeatedly tweeted and stated that the wall is is being built, which we know it isn't being built, and that's not true. But the, his base voted for him in large part because of that wall. So we see in this bump, I think, a not big surprise that the president, when he feels threatened, will say and do whatever he has to do, truthful or not, to get his numbers solidified. John Frederick, is this simply about playing to the base, or is this Trump being Trump, and that's the way his crowd likes it? It's about Trumponomics, the Trump agenda, jobs, prosperity, wages going up, bonuses being paid. I mean, this is an amazing economy that this president has cobbled together, getting rid of all of the regulations that we have, expanding entrepreneurial opportunity. We've got job growth in this country that is bigger than it's been in a very long time, and they're good jobs and they're good wages. So, look, prosperity and jobs, economic Uh, opportunity for people and the ability to make more money is the great equalizer that's driving 
the president's John, there's, poll there's no, numbers. There's no question that economics have a bump in the poll numbers, but his core support still at 28 percent. And that trade war, Ned Ryan, the, the threat of a trade war, which has been throwing the market into chaos, right. that can't be music for the president's base ears if they look at their own economic interests in agriculture and manufacturing and other areas. Well, I mean, we're going to have to see. I mean, again, we're in a negotiating period with, with some of these things and threats of tariffs and all of this to, to, to level the playing field with China. I mean, I think I think a lot of his base is looking at this and going, it's about time somebody confronted China due to the trade deficits, due to everything that I, I really feel we have conceded to China over the last few decades. So I think when you but but to reiterate what John was saying, I mean, people want to say, well, maybe his poll numbers are, are due to a bump with his with his tough talk. No, it's due to the reality. It's due to the reality they had a very good first year. The economics have changed. We have had three months of very good job numbers, and I think the trends will continue. I think what Trump and the Republicans need to do, however, uh, to keep this momentum going is to talk about and give people a vision for what will happen if Republicans keep the majority in Congress in 2019. And, And quite frankly, John, I'm not hearing enough of that. I want them to talk more and more about if you put us back in the majority in 2019, we'll make the small business rates permanent. We'll make the individual rates permanent. We're going to work on a variety of things to increase jobs and wages. So I think they really need to start talking about the vision for the future to increase their chances in 2018. It sounds you know, like that pivot's designed, designed to get people to focus on the Republican agenda and less on the president. Jackie, is that how you heard that? Uh, you know, it, well, I think it, it could be really summed up by the fact uh, so Ryan Costello, who's a Republican from Pennsylvania, who decided not to run, said he was going home and he was talking about tariffs and not taxes. That's going to be problematic for Republicans going into these November elections. They want to be talking about tax cuts, not uh, the wall. Uh, so that that in and of itself, I think, is going is going to be a problem. And because the president in, in these in these marginal districts, I'm not talking about these ruby red districts where weirdly they are having trouble uh, because of a whole litany of things. But, you know, the, the, the majority makers, the people that make it so the president can push his government, their his governing agenda through are going to have trouble with what this White House is doing right now. All right. We're not even into confirmation you know, fights. No, no, there's, no, there's no question that the off-cycle elections we've had have been going decidedly <laughs> against Donald Trump, even in ruby red districts. Christine Quinn, let me ask you this, though. There's a lot of Democratic angst about deploying National Guard troops to the border. But Barack Obama did it. 1,200 troops. So where was the anger then? Or is this really about Donald Trump, not about National Guard troops at the border? Well, look, I think when President Obama was president, there was extensive criticism of him on immigration issues uh, from the left. So that's a fact. I think what's particularly uh, anxiety provoking about this move is given the president's incredible push for the wall, how much he has politically invested in the wall. What are the and the wall? He didn't get nearly the money he wanted. Mexico's not paying for it. So are these troops, given that mindset, going to become permanent? Is the number going to grow? What's the long term plan? Mm-hmm. This is a kind of tweet reaction. Uh, uh, and we don't know where it's headed or where it's going, as opposed to and, and not taking away any of the criticism of President Obama and immigration, which he deserved. We had a better sense of what the troops were doing and how long, et cetera, when he now, was president and Bush was president. Now, Ned, you were for President George W. Bush. He deployed troops to uh, National Guard troops to the border. But if you take a look at the overall trend in border crossings, they've been on the decline since 2004. Now, my question to you is, given that case, how come anger at illegal immigration still animates so much of President Trump's base? 
Because I don't think it's actually been successfully solved. I mean, I would, well, I would you argue You see right there, it's down dramatically still, since 2004. It's it, a pretty straight line. It, 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 it might be down overall, but we still have an issue, John. And, and one of the arguments I've been making, I'm actually going to be coming out with a new op-ed, is we have to deal with this because if we continue to allow illegal immigration to continue for unskilled, low-skilled workers to come in, and, and trust me, John, I'm very honest about the fact this is a Democrat and Republican unholy alliance that has brought us to this very point. We actually have to deal with it moving forward because guess what? Automation is coming. And the only people that what's going to happen with the unskilled and low-skilled workers, they're going to get thrown out of jobs. They're going to go on to our social welfare programs that are already overstretched. And the people that are going to be backstopping it are people like me, people like you, the American taxpayer. We have to have a conversation because this has not been solved. And the reason that we see George well, W. Bush and Barack Obama and Donald Trump sending National Guard troops to the border is because Congress refuses to deal with the issue of immigration and how we successfully solve it long term. All right, we're going to have to leave it there. But, but we're going to bring everybody back. We can continue this on the other side of the break. I swear. Thank you, everybody. Now, Roger Stone says it's all a big joke, but Robert Mueller may not agree. We'll look at what Trump's longtime confidant said about WikiLeaks and when he said it when the panel returns. campaign narrative, the Russians favor Donald Trump and the Russians are leaking this information. This is inoculation because, as you said earlier, they know what is coming and it is devastating. Now, that was President Trump's longtime associate and noted Nixon aficionado, Roger Stone, predicting that devastating revelations on the Clintons were coming soon. Now, he gave that interview to Infowars in 2016 on the very same day that he told a Trump aide that he went to dinner with the founder of WikiLeaks. A source says that he described the dinner over the phone and in an email to aide Sam Nunberg. Stone says it was all a joke. He never spoke with Julian Assange. But that may not be enough to stop the special counsel from looking further. The panel is back. Folks, poll numbers, immigration, the economy, behind it all, Russia, the Russia investigation. And I think the reason that K-Files, who broke this latest uh, scoop on, on uh, Roger Stone, the reason this Assange Stone connection seems to be significant is it brings into question what people in the Trump orbit knew about the hacking of the DNC and the releasing of the emails, which was done by WikiLeaks. Let me show you a quick uh, timeline on this. So we've got WikiLeaks dumping DNC emails. We have Trump uh, Stone talking about dining with Assange, He's talking about telling GOPers that he's communicated with Assange, saying that more, I think significantly, that soon it will be Podesta's time in the barrel, well ahead of when WikiLeaks dumps Podesta's emails. Uh, Ned, this does look like Roger Stone, self-proclaimed prankster that he is, had some inside information about what WikiLeaks knew and when before they released it to the American people. I, I honestly have no time for Roger Stone and I have no time for Infowars and I'm not entirely sure what Roger Stone is talking about because I have a really hard time taking him seriously on about just everything, John. So, you know, I really don't know what, he, what conversations he had or didn't have. I'm sure uh, at some point if Bob Mueller and his team think that they should have a conversation with him, they will have a conversation with him and he'll be brought in to either talk to the Mueller team or be brought in front of the grand jury. But 
I really have no time for Roger Stone and his self-aggrandizement and trying to put himself in the I middle of uh, a media story. Un- I certainly understand why you would want to distance yourself from Roger Stone. I think many Republicans feel the same way. I never wanted but- to make myself close to him. No, to distance <laughs> I've yourself had no time from for him. him. Okay, but Jackie, I think the question is what this pattern might indicate about accusations of some kind of connection between the Trump orbit, WikiLeaks, and Russia. I mean, polls show people care, and they should just objectively. What say you? Well, right. I mean, I do think people care. I don't know that the midterm elections is turning on this at this point. We'll have to see when um, Bob Mueller's report uh, comes out. Um, that said, uh, yeah, it certainly seems like Stone and Nunberg were thickest thieves. They, you know, talked all the time, no matter what each of them says, because they also they seem to change their story pretty frequently, um, you just have to look at that timeline that you put up, where it, where Stone was bragging, even though now he says it's a joke, and then, you know, lo and behold, the Podesta emails came out. So when you're talking about the word collusion, I know it's a dirty word, uh, we, we, well, we have to know what these people knew and when they knew it. And if Stone knows it's good for him, he's going to tell Bob Mueller the truth, because we've seen a whole bunch of people at this point um, who decided not to and what happened to them. John Fredericks, I know you are no fan of Stone either, but unless he is psychic, he seemed to have some advanced knowledge about information coming down the pike. Look, John, I guess I missed the funeral of the person that died and left Roger Stone and authority on the Trump campaign. This guy, (laughs) Roger Stone, has no credibility whatsoever. Corey Lewandowski, Trump campaign manager, fired Stone six days into the campaign. Fired him. Six days. Never to be heard of again. I was in the campaign. I never I never I never talked to anybody that talked to Roger Stone, had his phone number, cared what he said. Look, this guy goes on InfoWars, which is a conspiracy John, I gotta, I gotta, I, 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 listen, I'm, I agree with you on InfoWars, but I just got to correct you there no for the record. Roger, Roger Stone was a longtime advisor of Donald Trump yep. for years. Until until the campaign came, and then Lewandowski fired him in the first two weeks, and that was the end of him. Right, but because if we know anything about Donald Trump, no. No. Christine Quinn, jump on in. Yeah, I mean, to say that there was no connection, Donald Trump has always had an affinity for Roger Stone. And remember, Corey Lewandowski was then fired himself. The timeline kind of speaks for itself. Unless Roger Stone wants to add to all the great things he says about himself, that he is now, you know, a medium and can see into the future, those timelines are too much to call them coincidence of what he said and then what else happened. And let's not forget what should be added into that time timeline is around the time of July 22nd, Donald Trump, then candidate Donald Trump, standing on national television and urging Russia to find whatever other DNC emails there are, urging an enemy country to become involved and hack into one of the two two national parties. This clearly shows people were talking to each other and that this was a focus on some level within the administration. I I don't know if we can say that for sure, but what we can say, Jackie, is that Foreign involvement in elections, Republicans were screaming bloody murder about it in Clinton context and 1996 election in particular. And now you've got a lot of fact pattern that's really troubling. And also now the follow the rubles story. Mueller looking into oligarchs, funding directly or indirectly, potentially the campaign and inauguration. How concerned are folks in Trump land about this? 
Well, and even more problematic, John, uh, something you and I talked about quite a bit, is the lack of the instruction from the Trump administration to places like DHS, who would be in charge of guarding against uh, Russian in, in, involvement in the next election, which is just in a couple of months. So the fact that that, it, it just it, it raises a lot of questions. And you've seen it. I mean, it, it, it's, it's nothing that we've been told behind the scenes. This has been in front of the C-SPAN cameras and Congress. So you're hearing, you're hearing an outcry from them about this, uh, certainly. Well, it's fascinating stuff. It's not going away. There are still plenty of chapters to this drama. Ned, Jackie, Christine, and John, thank you very much. This Thanks, is thank you. day 441 of President Trump's administration, and that is the State of America Tonight. Check out our podcast, subscribe to Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, and we will see you back here tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.